Welcome to the Weekly Workplace, where professionals come to find insights and inspiration for success. Hosted by the Missouri Training Institute, this is the Weekly Workplace. Welcome to the Weekly Workplace, where professionals come to find insights and inspiration for success. With you today, Missouri Training Institute. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> if I ever switch up that intro, it might <laughs> oh, yeah. throw people off. Yeah. I yeah. think it would. <laughs> It'd throw me off. Yeah, me, me too. <laughs> me too. Oh, well, thank you all for joining us again for the start of another new series, you all. We have done two now. Mm-hmm. I-, I felt like relatively successful. We'd yeah. love your insights on that. But um, how do you feel about these series? I'll just stop and ask the team right now. You know, every time you come up with a series, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is the coolest. And then this series came up and I'm like, oh, wait, this is the coolest. <laughs> so I, I love it. Yeah, I like the fact that we're able to get a little more in depth, you know, yeah. um, in, in a particular topics. So that's what I really find interesting about these the series approach. Yeah. I find myself at the end, and I don't know if you guys have that one show. Uh, for me, it's always uh, Law and Order SVU. Dun, dun. Yes. And <laughs> dun, dun, right. But it's like the to be continued at the end. It's like, dun, dun. And I'm like, wait, no, I can't wait till the next one. Right. And so I do get that way a little bit with these um, uh-huh. with these series so far. I'm like, I can't wait till the next one. So maybe I hope my listeners uh, feel the same way. Yeah. But Today uh, and for the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about doing more with less. I didn't get all fancy or creative on these titles. I think we're going to leave it straightforward. How do we Mm -hmm. do more with less? I feel like this is being asked of us a lot right now. Well, what I like about the, this title is it, is that it can address so many things. So uh, oftentimes it's about our own feeling like personally, mm-hmm. I, I'm having to do a lot more with less. But then you can look at it from a team perspective or you can look at it from an organizational perspective as well. And, you know, how do organizations in times of, you know, when they're not doing so well that they have to do more with less, you know. So um, that's what I kind of like about this topic. We can address it in many ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm kind of in a in a different mind frame in that um, just thinking about doing more with less. I, I don't know. I kind of want to approach it from an abundance um, mm-hmm. mentality that, you know, I think it it might be about focusing on the right things to do mm-hmm. with more individual ownership. So there's a convoluted, long uh, (laughs) uh, title for you, but I really, I appreciate that. Um, And I really do, uh, certainly as we're getting ready to talk about this concept of burnout. So I'm going to kind of lead with this next question then, and it ties into some of that, what you just mentioned, Ray. But what do you think the biggest misconception is as it relates to burnout? Oh, that you don't have any control over it is what I would think. Um, you know, people think that it things are being done to them at work, right? That um, I get boss came and laid more files on my desk today or um, these customers, they just never stop. And, you know, so it's always that they don't really have control over it. And um, I think if you really want to kind of overcome the burnout or even the stress, then, you know, it's about stepping up and probably taking some more control over your life. Yeah, I like that answer. Um, Did I steal yours? <laughs> I also think, you know, as, as I was hearing you, is I think sometimes we get away from the why. Mm-hmm. Why why are we doing this? Why are we doing this this way? Um, what's the bigger purpose here? And sometimes I think that helps with the focus. It mm-hmm. helps with that control that you were talking about, because I think it helps you make decisions about what you are going to 
be part of and give yourself to. And sometimes it is re-energizing to recognize and live in that purpose. Um, you know, and that's one thing I try to do in my coaching is kind of connect the passion with the purpose mm -hmm. because it is more sustainable mm -hmm. than the to-do list right. as right. you were, you know, just getting things done. Um, so I, I, I would think also we kind of lose, lose track of our why. Mm, I, I would agree with that. The look up mentality, right? Like, yeah, we've talked about that on other episodes. And I think for me, when I consider that biggest kind of misconception about burnout is going to be the way in which we can kind of address it. For so many years, I thought, oh, well, I have a vacation to look forward to and I'm going to feel great when I come back from the vacation. And I don't know about you all, but every time I come back from a vacation, I feel even more stressed than I probably did before I was preparing to go on the vacation. Yeah. Like you need a vacation for the vacation yes. to get ready. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And so, so on this episode and, and kind of as we can continue, we're going to break all of these different things out today. We are talking a little bit about this idea of workplace burnout because right now over 4 million American workers have quit their jobs each month in 2022. Wow. And that's incredible. That came from Forbes. And what we do know is over the last couple of years that globally burnout has hit record levels. Uh, and I'm going to put links to some of these statistics in the episode description for you as well. But another intriguing piece to me uh, about this is when they looked at all the different worker groups, they determined that actually the middle managers were experiencing higher levels of burnout than any other worker group. It was about 48%. So nearly half of your middle managers. That is not a surprise to me no. whatsoever. No, not you know? at all. Um, I think middle managers are often caught in the middle, right? They've got um, issues they're dealing with with their employees that report to them, right? And trying to keep them motivated and trying to keep them um, uh, achieving and, and performing the way that they need to perform. But they also got it coming down from the top. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I often there's this exercise I just often do in training where I get people to stand up and we kind of create a human organizational chart. You know, we start with the CEO all the way down to the frontline staff with all these layers of middle management in between. And they're having to move back and forth and, and um, that kind of thing, because their attention from coming from the top down or from the bottom up um, really does cause, I think, a lot of stress. And then as, as such, if they're not dealing with that, they can burn out pretty easily, I think. And do you all find, you know, when I think about, we talk a lot about this idea of the traditional workplace versus the more modern workplace or workforce and some of the asks or even requirements sometimes it feels like in some places to really emphasize, a, we, we call them the power skills. Some people call them the soft skills um, that there's a pool between really having to utilize those skills. So we're talking about your emotional intelligence and um, compassion and kindness and, you know, all the things that people, I think, generally want to do with the balance of the standards you have to uphold. Do you feel like the pressure is more now than it used to be? Well, um, I, you know, I guess I guess the answer is yes, just because it's more um, on the radar. Mm -hmm. And so it's more talked about. And, you know, um, so I think then as all media and um, brings forward is that feeling that that's just one more thing 
you know, to do um, and that it's separate hmm. from how you mm-hmm. do. Well, that's what, what I think do. is very interesting is the, the separateness of yeah. it. Yeah. That we try to. Uh, yeah. Because listen, let's face it. Um, we've all been. Uh, well, not all of us, um, but us older, mature folks like me have been brought up in an environment where, you know, you keep it personal, and you keep it professional. You, know, you don't bring don't mix the two. And so for many times we were taught things like, you know, it's nothing personal. It's just business. So, you know, leave those pesky emotions out of the workplace. That kind OK, of <laughs> yeah, right. Let's just <laughs> works let's for just, me. Let's just concentrate on the uh, on the work itself. Right. But again, that's kind of like asking people to be schizophrenic. You're you're um, you're working life does impact your professional life and vice versa. So, but I think you're right, Ray, we've been taught to kind of keep them separate, but we are a whole human beings at work, right? And we do come with baggage and we do come with emotions and we do come with um, perspectives and opinions about things. Mm-hmm. What about you? What do you think? Yes. <laughs> Good answer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think when I, I consider this uh, and really I'm grateful, I, I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to work with two colleagues that have different experiences than I have had in the workplace, because I will say that for the duration of my professional careers, we do talk about the feelings and we talk about um, the, uh, you know, uh, the things like kindness and compassion and all the things that would have been soft skills. You know, that's all I've ever known. And yet when we've had conversations around this table before, you know, hearing, you know, leave your emotions at the door, you get to work, head down. Like, I can't imagine an environment that's just like that. And I worked at the police department, you know, and I think that that for me, even there, we were having regular conversations about how to take care of each other in such a strenuous job and, you know, making sure that the conversations were um, appealing in the morning. First thing when you came in and you'd sit down and you'd kumbaya a little bit before you'd go out and, you know, start your day. And so there was always this level of, um, I don't know. Uh, well, even take a look skills. at even take a look at things like uh, employee employee benefits. You know, yeah. I remember a day we didn't have things like employee assistant programs. Mm. I remember days when we didn't have you know um, well being programs. You know, and healthy eating programs in the workplace and things like that. So, um, you know, with the rise of that, I think you're starting to see how um, you know businesses are maybe taking a different approach right now with mm-hmm. this. Yeah, and it's even more. I mean, right now with these high levels, some of the research. I was doing for this particular episode, it was saying that, I mean, the main focus right now for many organizations is on this idea of well-being, mm-hmm. um, really creating a culture of well-being. And we've talked, we've had other episodes on that before, too. And you think about how different that is to then maybe, again, how you all came into businesses and what the expectations and standards were. It wasn't always about the well-being. It was about maybe the profits or, <laughs> you know, the production of things. And so it's intriguing to me to just see how we have have evolved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm I'm at a space where I really don't know, uh, and this is probably because of all of the great conversations we've had as a team, if we if we can truly say we're in a better place than we were, because I think that there's a delicate balance between the two. Yeah, and work has to get done, right? Yeah. Um, but hopefully we can do it in a way where it's supportive of one another. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think there's always a balance um, in everything. And that doesn't necessarily mean 50-50, right? That doesn't mean it's equal on both ends. I think there's an ebb and flow to all of it. But, you know, in that that mindset of abundance also comes, you know, releasing judgment. Mm. 
And, you know, I think that helps, again, get back to a more focused uh, approach. I think it leans into different skill sets of your team Mm -hmm. um, so that you, you know, they're living abundantly because they're realizing their potential in what it is that they're being um, hired to do and in, in some ways allowed to do given given those Oh, I, I want to say freedoms, but just, you know, go do your job. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and not having the oversight or micromanaging. Yeah. <laughs> um, because I will tell you, you know, when I think about burnout at work and from my personal perspective, you know, I can there was one time when in my career, I I truly believe I felt burned out. Um, and it wasn't stress. I, I think they're different. And I think you indicated that earlier. And it had to do with um, the time that I found myself. Um, we had reorganized and I now fell under a new leader. And this person was not good at mm. it. Mm. They were good at their job of doing what my employer had hired them to do. But this person was not meant to be in a leadership position. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah. It's the manager. It's always <laughs> the manager. It always is. Well, and I'll even, I'll tag to that and I'll share an experience as well, because in my case, it wasn't necessarily the manager or the work we were doing or any of that. It was, it was about the systems conditions that had like the environment that had been created by this particular structure or system. When the emphasis became on different uh, things like the fees that were due. And so I started feeling just complete energy depletion from what I was coming in and doing every day and feeling like I was just mentally distant when I came home. I didn't even want to think about work. Nothing else was going on. And I mean, all of these are different uh, symptoms of burnout. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, though. People created that system. That's mm -hmm. true. I mean, so culture is created by the people inside the organization. And so, you know, we, we say it's the manager and, you know, the influencers, Mm -hmm. You know, the influencers. And I look back now, and as I'm sure you do, because we all have perspective when we mm -hmm. look back, right? And just realize um, this person, however ineffective this person was, was doing the best they could. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, they had been, you know, just like I had been plugged into this new org chart, so had this person. This person didn't apply for this job. Um, it was very apparent this person didn't want this job. It was vocalized to the whole team <laughs> on day one. And that set the tone, mm -hmm. right? But, um, you know, looking back, this person was doing the best they could. Well, and it's interesting to hear you say that because that's actually some of the reflections I've had related to um, that particular organization I worked at and, and even a couple others after that. You know, people only only know what they know. You know, once you've gotten in and acclimated to a certain environment, I think it's very easy to not be able to look outside and say, hey, why do we put the second sentence of this letter as a threat? You know, like, <laughs> is there another way we might be able to approach this? But that's just what they've always done. And 
And so sometimes um, it, it is difficult uh, to kind of go against what has already been created, mm-hmm. especially if you're growing with your career within that organization. You start out young and, you know, and you're you're coming up through that organization. So um, it's interesting. It really is. And and I want to go back to the, the definition here. So really there you're right. Right. You mentioned earlier burnout, stress, two very different things. And so World Health Organization, it is a medical, um, they classified burnout as a medical diagnosis. And they talk about it as a syndrome conceptualized as resulting from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. Uh, there are four symptoms, feeling of energy depletion, exhaustion and fatigue, increased mental distance from your job, feelings of negative negativism <laughs> and, or cynicism related to your job and reduced professional efficacy. And I thought that was intriguing. I'd never really sat down to figure out the definition of burnout. But the well, big, to know that it's got a it's a diagnosis. It now, is. You know? It is. Yeah. Uh, and to now recognize like with stress, you know, most of the times we think, oh, I'm so stressed, I'm burnt out. Um, but stress actually usually there's like an end in sight. It just may be difficult to get there. Burnout, on the other hand, is a cycle of negative emotions. You know, and I think sometimes and especially with the medical diagnosis, now maybe similar to depression where you really can't bring yourself out of it all right too much into something you've invested so much there emotionally intellectually physically um, and you haven't restored yourself and so it it is kind of a lot bigger than just periodic stress yeah you know i i i that leads into that idea that why are you doing what you're doing i mean there's something bigger than than this and that was my example, you know, when I worked for myself, actually, didn't have a boss to go to. Actually, <laughs> actually I kind of did. It's always the manager. Always the manager. <laughs> um, um, well, actually, I was there was a boss yeah. that I was, um, you know, it was just set up that I was kind of working on my own. But this person would give me the work to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was the travel. It was, you know, being gone from my family for three years and doing that three days a, a week for three weeks at a time, you know, so it did get very, very um, burnt out. I, you listed those um, those symptoms and I can account for every single one of them, mm-hmm. you know, and it wasn't until, like Ray said, until I was like, what is my purpose here? Mm-hmm. That, and, and I did that without having a job to go back to, but you know what? It was the best decision I ever made. Um, and luckily within a couple of weeks, you know, I was able to get back on with MTI. So, um, you know, it's that's that's exactly what's happened to me is I had to regain my purpose. I had to regain, mm-hmm. uh, rediscover what it was that I was really tr- truly trying to accomplish. And it wasn't about work. Right. Yeah. And the fact that you took control over that yeah. again, you know what I mean? Like that's going back to that point you made at the very beginning. Um, Ray and you, I think both of you had, had spoke to that, but that concept of feeling like you have no control over it. It is what it is. I just got to keep coming to work, doing the job, getting my paycheck. Um, it can be more than that, but it's got to be an element of kind of taking control. And there are some different kind of burnout prevention strategies out there, action items, I guess, if you will. And I'm going to reference uh, Gallup's Wellbeing at Work. Uh, Jim Clifton and Jim Harder really talk about some good strategies here. Number one, of course, which shouldn't be um, any any surprise to us, knowing that Gallup is is the author of Clifton's Strengths as well, but really making sure that everyone in your organization knows their strengths. Well, that's been documented in research where they um, from Clifton Strengths, where they talk about what is it? You're 12 times more likely um, engaged if you're using your strengths every single day. 
Is that what it was? Yeah. So, um, you know. Well, you're 12 and a half percent more productive, six times more likely. Oh, you're right. Mm-hmm. Six times more likely uh, to we, be We can make those up as yeah. we wish, though. <laughs> six times more likely to be engaged and 12% you'll be more effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think to your point earlier, uh, one of the other strategies in here, right, you mentioned you're the manager, right? The manager in your situation. Uh, and you really got to focus on removing some of those uh, ineffective or abusive managers from these situations. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think I think our organization did itself as well as those of us um, that it directly impacted a disservice Mm -hmm. um, by choosing the wrong people, especially people that didn't even want the job they had (laughs) just been put into. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was, you know, a decision obviously made at the tippy top mm-hmm. that um, might have sought the the profit, but didn't um, serve the people. Yeah, it was a um, oh, what is that that old, that old saying they have? A misplacement becomes a displacement mm-hmm. that requires a replacement. Yep. Yeah. So getting the right people in the right positions is really important. Going back to those strengths again, then see how all this is tying together. Um, it also requires that we upskill people, right? And we're going to talk, our next episode is actually going to be all about this. So, but really thinking that we can move not just all of our frontline people or all people in general in our organization, but specifically like our managers, because we talked about how they're the group that experience kind of burnout at a higher level than most. And so helping them move from just boss to coach. How would you see that as you all have experienced that? Were there ever spaces where you really made that distinct, intentional decision to say, I am not going to be seen as the boss. I'm going to be seen like early in your career. Or was it just always the way that, that you approached leadership? For me, it was kind of, all, I, you know, I've always such a people person. I knew that those were my strengths. And so for me, it really wasn't a big switch going from boss to coach. In fact, I prefer to, I prefer to approach it from a coaching perspective rather than the boss. I have a really hard time calling people out on things, right? <laughs> so <laughs> Really? <laughs> Imagine that, Ray. Aren't you the lucky one that <laughs> benefits? See, um, we fit together. <laughs> so for me, it really wasn't um, that big of a of a of a switch. Yeah, I don't know that in my you know heyday of learning management that I even considered that. But that makes sense for me, doesn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. not. I, I realize definitely people got work done and you had to get done work done through others. I don't know that I ever, you know, put on like that metaphorical coaching hat. I just felt like that was part of what good managers did. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know that I felt it was separate mm-hmm. um, or but I do remember that moment when I had made a decision um, standing right there in the lobby of my bank and my employee just like flipped around and walked away from me. And I, I say this in my trainings. I know I do. And I remember that moment. I was just like, wow, what am I doing that's going to make her want to come back and see me tomorrow? And that's that's when I I didn't you know put on the coaching hat, but I realized my impact and my decisions went far beyond just do it because I'm the boss. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah. 
Yeah, it, it is interesting because I think, especially when you're a young and we're working with a lot of young supervisors now because there's been so much turnover and people are getting placed into positions. And, and there is, I remember being told, you know, that idea of being able to kind of wear the hat to, I don't want to say to tout your authority, but that's how you get people to do the things you want them to do. I mean, that's from previous supervisors that um, were helping shape and mold me in this, in this career path. And, and I got, came here and I was like, actually, I don't think that's, that's right. I think I'm supposed to be, you know, coaching these people and putting on more of that coaching hat. But it is a fine line because there are those moments. Um, so that delicate balance we talk about again between recognizing when you have to hold people accountable and when you when you have to come in and, and really use it as coaching opportunities. Another one they talk about in this book, right? Making well-being a part of career development conversations. I think we do that all the time. Well, that's that, you know, I I think that approach of looking at your employees, not just as a warm body that gets work done, but they are a whole human being. Right. Right. That bring in with them, not just their technical skills, but they bring in their, like we said, their emotions, they bring in their past experiences and things like that. So um, I'm all for the idea of well-being and seeing what we can do to really um, uh, focus on the whole person, you know, not just the, the person they're doing my work. Yeah. You know, we've spent a lot of time um, in the last decade or so talking about empathy and kindness and compassion and, you know, um, all that stuff. (laughs) 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 Yeah, yeah. No, I'm a huge, huge believer. Oh, my goodness, of course. However, what's most recently coming up and um, is this idea of resilience Mm. and grit um, and I think this is where we can dig back into the the decades of old mm-hmm. and figure out what it took to mm-hmm. to sometimes sometimes just go Persevere. for it, you yeah. know, yeah, um, and not try to make it pretty, and that it is life, and we are imperfect people going through life together. And sometimes this is just where we are. And uh, again, I, you know, the mindset of abundance and ownership, but you've got, you've got to know your limits and you've got to be willing to put it out there. Mm -hmm. Yep. And working less doesn't mean that you're going to have happier work, right? So to kind of of think through this. A nasty job is still a nasty job, whether you're doing 10 minutes of it, you're doing a whole day of it. It is. That's right. It is. And so as you kind of think through that, and I want to, I'm going to lean on these last couple of minutes we have here thinking about the the leaders again. We mentioned that middle managers really suffering from maybe higher levels of burnout than any other worker group. And so quickly, a couple things, and we'll just kind of throw them out. What are some things that our middle managers can do? I think, you know, really get clear on what your role expectations are and Keep that in mind, because I think, you know, initially when we had said, you know, doing more, I I don't let's be clear on that. Mm -hmm. Is it really more, you know, because something will give. And so I think just get really clear on what it is that your leadership expects um, and then figuring out. So what is how does that translate into action or outputs, Um, because sometimes we build it and get it bigger and bigger and bigger in our heads, especially Mm -hmm. when what are we going through this negative cycle of of cynicism and and um, low morale? We tend to those things become exaggerated Mm -hmm. and in our minds Mm -hmm. and then overwhelming. 
Mm-hmm. So I think let's let's focus and let's get clear on what it is we're really supposed to be doing. And with that, I would say, for, from my perspective, it's about an investment in learning, right? So, you know, if if leaders are showing those middle managers, hey, we we care about you. Um, this is where we're headed. Maybe maybe let's get some skill upgrades, or uh, let's help you uh, think about things maybe a little different way. Um, to help with this. But, you know, that whole idea of investing in that learning, I think, is an important part of it. Well, Dewey, you are making an excellent segue here to our next episode. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that. And so in part two of today's um, series or this series, Doing More with less, we're actually going to talk specifically about that idea of upskilling. What does it look like? Where do we start? Um, and, and we're going to talk briefly about some of the different assessments that that kind of give you a good foundation there. Um, so yeah, tune in next week as we kind of continue on in this conversation. And we also want to hear from you. So for all of our listeners out there, if you have thoughts, comments, uh, questions, or suggestions, email them to us at mti at missouri.edu. Uh, and final thoughts from the team here own it yeah you know change your thinking to change your behaviors ultimately change your beliefs yeah if you want a different outcome you got to do things differently yeah well and we're going to give you the tools to be able to do that in the next episode too so tune back in next week and uh, until then go be great Thanks for listening to The Weekly Workplace, hosted by the Missouri Training Institute. Dewey, Ray, and Brianna stand ready to connect with you and meet your training needs. Be sure to check out ways to contact them in the episode description or at mti.missouri.edu. Subscribe to the podcast to get future episodes automatically by tapping subscribe in your podcast player of choice. Hope to catch you on the next episode of The Weekly Workplace. Yes.